Good morning. How is the sound? Is it okay? Okay, good, good. Happy New Year. So we'll be uh, taking up a case today from the... Uh, actually, let me, let me make sure it's recording here on the iPad. Today's case will be from uh, a different book of koans than we've ever worked from before. This is actually a collection of 300 cases that Master Dogen put together uh, once he returned to Japan. Um, he put together uh, in his masterwork the Shobo Genzo. This is from the Shinji Shobo Genzo. So the case reads as follows. A student asked Jing Qing, Is there Buddha Dharma in the beginning of the new year? Jing Qing said, Yes. The student said, Well, what is the Buddha Dharma at the beginning of the new year? And Jing Qing said, The beginning of the year is auspicious. The myriad things are all new. The student said, thank you for your answer. But Jing Qing said, I lost virtue today. Later, another student asked a different Zen master, Master Ming Zhao, is there a Buddha Dharma at the beginning of the new year? Ming Zhao said, no. The student said, every year is a good year. Every day is a good day. How is it not in the new year? Ming Zhao said, When old man Zhang drinks wine, old man Li gets drunk. The student said, Great elder, you're like a dragon's head with a snake's tail. Ming Zhao said, I lost virtue today. So, This time, this new year, is often marked in Japan. It's marked with a number of practices in Buddhist temples and across Japan. One of the traditions that is often um, or very common is what's called osoji. And it's translated really as deep cleaning. And this year, you know, normally we would do a, a very thorough cleaning here um, but being in the middle of a renovation over at our small cabin, it's more more like moving small piles of things from one place to the other and then back again. It never seems to uh, get any traction other than mud. We get a lot of mud traction through the, uh, the, the house. But this kind of ritual cleaning that's done in Japan during the time of the new year is sort of akin to the American version of spring cleaning. You know, a way to get a fresh start. Uh, but in Buddhist terms, it's actually also a reminder of impermanence. Uh, the teaching of impermanence. We all know how long cleaning lasts, right? Not long. It's time to do it again. 
And so the, in terms of Buddhist practice, this new year is a time to reflect on impermanence. Impermanence, of course, is a fundamental teaching of, of the Buddha, of the Buddha Dharma, that despite all of our attempts to hold on, to grasp, nothing can be held on to. And as Zen practitioners were tasked with asking, you know, how do we practice with that truth? At first glance, when, when people encounter the teaching of impermanence, what they tend to focus on is the negative aspect of it, that all things pass away. But the other side of the equation is just as important, that when all things pass away, there's a renewal that automatically happens. Two sides of one reality. But in order for there to be renewal, there has to be a shedding, a letting go of the old. And this is one of the common sticking points for Zen students, for all of us who practice. We want something new to have insights into our nature, for example, to experience growth. But it's very common not to appreciate that in order to have these insights, to experience growth, we have to let go. Letting go of our views, of our opinions, of our fixed ideas, the way we see ourselves and others. And to let go and we have to truly embrace that growth is actually possible. I think many of us are skeptical about our own capacity for change. We feel so stuck sometimes. It feels so immutable. So it's often very difficult for us to truly let go because we do hold on. So to practice with impermanence means to practice letting go and embracing change. Seeing and embracing the constant cycle of birth and death. We can't hold on and experience change. It's just not possible. Master Dogen said, Arousing the Bodhi mind and attaining the way both depend on the instantaneous arising and perishing of all things. In this way, whether we wish in our minds or not, being pulled by our past karma, the transmigration within the cycle of life and death continues without stopping for a single instant. He continues, with a body-mind that is transmigrating in this manner through the cycle of life and death, we should, without fail, arouse the Bodhi mind of ferrying others before ourselves. Even if on the way of arousing the Bodhi mind we hold our body mind dear, it is born, grows old, becomes sick, and dies. After all, it cannot be our own personal possession. Our lives arise and perish within each instant. Their swiftness is like this. Moment after moment, practitioners should not forget this principle. 
So here Master Dogen uses this phrase of arousing the body mind, or the bodhi mind, excuse me, which is another way of saying bodhicitta, the mind that seeks the way, cultivating the aspiration for awakening. In other words, to wish to understand our true nature and the nature of all things. So from a Buddhist point of view, the new year is a time to renew this aspiration by focusing on the passing nature of time, the passing nature of our lives, to let it sink in to reflect deeply on this truth and to notice that it's not that things change, but that there is nothing but change. It's not that things change, it's there's nothing but change. We don't find ourselves in the midst of change. We are not objects being pulled in a current. We are the current. The nature of things is change itself. And so to use this truth as motivation for practice. You know, uh, thinking back a few weeks ago in our beginners class, we talked about the need to integrate our zazen into our life. One of the most enjoyable things about working with students is getting to hear about the various ways that this begins to happen, that be people begin to close the gap between their practice life and their so-called walking around life. Of course, one of the reasons that Zen practice can be so powerful is that the the practice, the koan, the breath, the awareness becomes over time a, a, a constant presence in one's life. Through Just through sheer repetition in the zendo, during zazen, students find that it begins to kind of creep into their life beyond the confines of the sitting cushion. What seeps out of the zendo or out of, the, out of your mat at home is not just the repetition of the breath, the repetition of the koan, but all that, that those practices represent, all that's behind those practices. Everything we hope for in our lives, the reasons that we practice. Living more presently a more meaningful life, living with kindness, feeling a connection with others. And all of these intentions, of course, are embedded in each repetition of mu, each breath. And over time, it becomes like we have somebody following around following us around through the day, whispering in our ear, reminding us what's important. This is 
the beginning of integration of our practice. I like to think of integration as kind of like a a dharmic earworm, one of those songs that gets stuck in your head. Eventually we can't drop it and it becomes life itself. It reminded me of this story from the time of the Buddha. I'm sure many, many of you have heard this story of a woman named Kisa Gotami who had lost her son, her young son, and was overcome by grief as her child died. But in denial, she went from house to house looking for medicine to bring him back to life. And one of her neighbors told her that she should go see the Buddha and ask him if he had a way of bringing her son back to life. So bringing the body of her son with her, Kisa found the Buddha and pleaded with him to bring her son back to life. So he instructed her to go back to her village and go from door to door asking for mustard seeds. But the mustard seeds, he said, had to be from households that had never experienced any death. And then from those mustard seeds, he promised that he would create a medicine to bring her son back to life. So relieved, she went back to her village and began asking her neighbors for these seeds. All of her neighbors were willing to give her mustard seeds, but they all told her that their households had been touched by death. They told her the living are few, but the dead are many. So as she went from house to house, it began to dawn on her. She realized the universality of death. You know, the Buddha in his genius pointed her to the truth that she was unable to accept. And this is the practice, to see and embrace what is real and present. So when we talk about integrating practice, it's important to see that the Buddha, had he just told her to accept her son's passing, it would have fallen, well, it would have rang hollow. She had to find her way through. And we have to find ourselves our way through and how to keep our practice going, how to keep the teachings, the practice alive, because nobody can do that for us. Teachers simply point the way. So during times like the new year, as we pause and we reflect, Life slips quickly by, time waits for no one as it reads on the wooden block. The truth of the Buddha Dharma is always present in each encounter, not just during the new year. But again, the question is, can we see that? Can we appreciate what each moment is teaching us? Of course, we know how difficult that can be to live with intention, 
and reflection throughout our lives, throughout our days. And so the Buddha talked about the need within each one of us to know ourselves enough to say what would be skillful, skillful for us as individuals to keep ourselves on the path. In Zen, of course, we do that through sitting. But we also practice through vow, through right intention, through reciting the vows of the Bodhisattva, by taking the precepts, renewing those precepts, engaging in face-to-face teachings. But all of these are simply ways of keeping us engaged There's nothing inherently different about the new year. In one way, it's kind of arbitrary. It's a human construction. But we use that power of human construction, of the human mind. Because there is something deeply meaningful about renewing our commitments at times like this. Dogen even instituted uh, sort of a ritualized a way of, of approaching even the most mundane and uh, ordinary tasks throughout the day. He had rituals for even using the toilet and taking care of all the tasks in the kitchen. All meant to arouse the Bodhi mind, as he said. So, coming back to to the case from today. So we have this student who asked Jingqing, is the Buddha Dharma, the teachings of the truth, is the truth present at the beginning of the new year? And Jingqing says, yes, of course it is. And... Jingqing presses, he says, well, what, or excuse me, the student presses and says, well, what is the Dharma, this Buddha Dharma at the beginning of the new year? And Jingqing said, the beginning of the year is auspicious. The myriad things are all new. You know, the beginning of the new year is auspicious because we bring awareness to it. That's why it's auspicious. We come together to mark the passing of time. The specialness of the moment, though, resides in us. He says the myriad things are all new. Of course, in our culture, we're sort of obsessed with newness. The upgrade culture. But newness is just a construct. We all can experience newness, not by upgrading, not by getting the latest thing, but to clear the mind. That is how we experience the world as new, by letting go of thought. You know, in Zen we have this phrase, to hear something or to see something or to experience something as if for the first time, even after having experienced it so many times. So this is, again, what is meant by closing the gap between our lives 
in our practice. This coming week, we're going to be going into Sashin. Some of you will be joining us part-time. And as you know, in Sashin, we have a mind of single focus where we put everything aside and we consciously create this space to bring awareness to our life. During Sashin, we wake up with the practice. The first thing we do is return our minds to the practice. And the last thing we do at, in, the, in, the, in the end of the evening is, again, bring our attention to the practice. And in between, to whatever extent we can, we do the same. But even short of coming to Sashin, even on days like this, coming to Sunday service, we establish the mind of attention. We form dharma relationships because we know how the mind wanders and how easy it is to get caught in the myriad things. The busyness. And then life slips by. So the student asks, Jing Qing and Jing Qing gives his answer and the student says, thank you for your answer. But then Jing Qing says, I lost virtue today, which is such an interesting response. What does he mean by I lost virtue? I lost virtue. Well, this practice isn't about, as you know, it's not about gaining anything. It's about shedding what we previously have held on to, to see what is already present. But as Hakuin says in his master, in his chant in praise of Zazen, he said, we're all like children that are wandering poor on this earth. We're of rich birth wandering poor on this earth. We're, we're like people who are surrounded by water claiming that we're thirsty. We're claiming that we need something, that we lack something. And I've heard so many times in different ways, I'm still, I encounter it constantly where students will read the teachings of others and believe that they can these teachers can bestow insight onto them that they have something special to offer and i've heard teachers even claim that they do believe that they have something to give but that's not the buddha dharma it's free for the taking we just need to turn towards it so jing qing his job, so to speak, is to help his students see that they themselves are the Buddha Dharma. It's not something that can be taught. So when he, in essence, when he says, I've lost virtue today, he, in essence, is saying, I've taught, if you think I've taught you something, if you're thanking me for giving you something, I've failed. I've lost virtue. And then later, 
another monastic or a student asked a different master, Zen master Ming Zhao, is there Buddha Dharma at the beginning of the new year? But this time, this teacher says no. And so here, Ming Zhao is speaking to a different aspect of practice, speaking to the timeless nature of reality. In the non-divided world, there are no beginnings. There are no endings. There is no new year. These are all mental fabrications. There's nothing to resolve, to do. Nothing to let go of. But that's so easy to forget, isn't it? Because... We all want to practice with vow. We all practice with intention. And that's important. But we can't forget that as important as these things are, we need to see the timeless as well. Because so many of us are slaves to time. So many of us are feel the pressure of time. Sometimes this teaching, this truth, has been described as being like a watch. You know, on the front side of the watch is the hands that mark the hours and the, the minutes and the seconds. But you flip it over and, of course, it's smooth. No markings. This is what Ming Zhao is pointing us back to. When the student says, is there a Buddha Dharma at the beginning of the new year? No. No new year. No beginning, no ending. No birth, no death. But the student pushes further with another question. He says, well... Every year is a good year. Every day is a good day. How is it not so in the new year? I think some of you will recognize this phrase, which comes from Master Yun Men, every day is a good day. He was once giving a lecture and asked his assembly, he said, I don't ask you for a word about before the 15th of the month. I ask you for a word about after the 15th of the month. And nobody came forward to give an answer. So he himself said, every day is a good day. But this good is not a good as opposed to a bad, but rather good meaning whole. Whole. Every moment is whole. Even 2020. Even this year. Even the so-called bad years. How many of us look back on difficult times and see, actually with some space, how much those difficulties have helped us grow? Of course, when we're going through it, it's like, you know, we want it to be over. Developing, though, the ability to see the big picture is important. 
Otherwise, we get lost in good and bad, right and wrong. So every year is a good year. Every day is a good day. It's every day is a whole day. So this student comes forward with this saying, but the question becomes, does he really get it? And that's where it's important for us to turn back to ourselves and say, do we really understand that? Do we really grok that point that these teachings are meant to be deeply felt, not just bumper stickers, not just nice sayings? Can we experience every day as good, as whole? Again, not as in happy or as in these other conditioned mind states, joyous, but as in whole. So the student quotes Yunmen in a way, but are they live words? In other words, does he f get it? Or are these simply the regurgitated words of others? Again, a caution about reading and studying too much the words of others. Because when we do, they uh, almost have a way of supplanting our own insights. Ming Zhao, at this point, after the student quotes Yunmen, comes back with a very another curious saying. He says, when old man Zhang drinks wine, old man Li gets drunk. To put this in present moment terms, let's do that. Let's put that in present moment terms. When John doesn't wear a mask, Jane gets sick. One body. One body. One mind. No separation. Two separate people, but yet not divided. So Ming Zhao is coming from this place of non-division to let go of time, of divisions, of categories, of resolutions. All the thoughts of self-improvement in the new year to understand for ourselves the indivisibility of all that is. And the student says to Ming Zhao, Great elder, you're like a dragon's head with a snake's tail. It's, you have to kind of know something about Chinese culture here. In China, a dragon is a being that is in really represents enlightenment and wisdom, not like the dragons of the West of King Arthur. Actually, I don't know if there was a dragon in King Arthur, but but a snake somehow in both in the East and West, the snake isn't so good. So the student tries again to engage Ming Zhao to challenge him his understanding. And Ming Zhao simply says, I lost virtue today. 
So both teachers, Ling Zhao and Jing Qing, both talk about losing virtue. What do they mean? The moment we talk about the Dharma, we separate from it. It becomes an explanation, not the thing itself. And as many of you are familiar with the Tao Te Ching, it says, those who talk do not know, and those who know do not talk. Because, you know, too much talk stimulates the intellect, the mind that ponders, that is in essence our problem, pondering. Whether we ponder the Dharma, oneness, or anything else, when we do that, we're a thousand miles away from it. Instead, the invitation is to practice it, to practice the Dharma, to know the Buddha Dharma at the new year for ourselves, to use the marking of time, to use it to recommit ourselves to the practice, to take up our vows, to practice the precepts, to do good for others, and yet not attached to any of these. So we have a few minutes and why don't we uh, open it up for any questions or comments about this case, about the new year and Dharma practice? And we'll then end after that with the four vows. <laughs>